This is Star Wars E-Eulogy. Join us in remembrance of Star Wars Young Jedi Knight's lightsabers. I'm Spencer, and I've read over 180 Star Wars EU books. And I'm Alice, and this is my fourth, as far as I can remember. Well, do you have any general thoughts on this book? Oh my god, this book was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. This is yeah. This is why I. This is what I remember about the series is the big thing that happens in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I wasn't sure on, because it uh, is Tenoka. And that's why I was like, I know I like her before that, but I can't remember if I just mostly like her because I remember this book. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Because if you remember, we had that conversation on the first book where I was like, I know things happen later, which is why I really <laughs> love her. Yeah. Yeah, my wife was really excited to hear that I had finally read this one, too. Yeah. Well, I suppose we should talk about the plot so that everyone who's listening knows what we're talking about. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. Um, so in listening back to the episodes and editing, I kind of got the sense that um, we're usually heavier on dark side than light side. And I think part of that is because I get so excited about the stuff I like about the book that I squeeze it into my plot summary. Yo, that um, makes sense. So I'm going to try to be more concise about the plot summary this time and leave more of the cool stuff to talk about later. Sounds good. <laughs> okay. So uh, the book opens up back on the Jedi Academy on Yavin 4 and Luke says alright we gotta get this stuff in motion there's dark Jedi coming we gotta be ready to defend ourselves and you know Jason, Jaina, Tenelka and Loi because you are the main characters I mean because you are my best students you get to learn lightsabers now and the kids build their own lightsabers and they start practicing with them and um, because Tenelka kind of rushed through her lightsaber construction, assuming, like, I don't need the best lightsaber because I'm Tenelka and just a badass, so I'll make do with a mediocre one. Uh, her lightsaber uh, just turns off in the middle of a sparring session with Jason, and Jason accidentally chops her arm off, which is very upsetting for everyone involved. Um... Thankfully, she survives um, and is spirited away back to her home in the Hapes Collective by her grandmother. Uh, and her friends are shocked to learn that they went to the Hapes Collective and not Dathomir because they still don't know she's a secret space princess. But... Luke decides this is the time when I have to explain this to you because uh, Jaina very clearly calls out that it was a Hapes Collective shuttle that picked her up to bring her home. Um, so meanwhile, 
when she gets back home, she's very depressed, obviously. She just lost a limb. It's very upsetting. Uh, her parents are away on a secret ambassadorial mission, which is also supposed to keep them out of the picture because her grandmother has reason to believe there's an assassination plot going on. And so her grandma's kind of pushing Tanelka around to get, you know, like the best high quality prosthetic replacement as possible. And for a while, Tanelka's just kind of despondent and going along with everything, but ultimately says, no, I don't want one. And even uses the force to shove the doctors away when they try to push forward when she says, stop trying to give me this robot arm. Um, and then her friends show up to be moral support because that's what friends do when you lose a limb is they provide moral support. Uh, her grandma's surprised to hear this, but Luke's like, look, uh, I'm Luke Skywalker and I'm very capable of communicating with my students through the force. So uh, yeah. we're here now and you got to <laughs> deal with us. The force. I don't know if uh, you've heard of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We, we kind of have space telepathy. It's pretty handy. Um, yeah. So, uh, Tenelka and friends, after getting settled, uh, delay attending a state dinner, which turns out to be a good thing because someone planted a bomb in the hall and it explodes. But nobody died. At least nobody important died. <laughs> we don't know if any servants died in the bombing. But uh, Grandma says, okay, we're going to the seaside palace slash secret super secure fortress, and you're going to chill there, which for a while is pretty fun. Um, yeah, they have some fun on the beach. And then her grandmother's attendant from a couple books ago who was supposed to check in on Tenelka uh, says, hey, I programmed one of the speeder boats to, like, take you all out on a cruise around the water if you want to go have fun. And the kids are like, yeah, sure. It's kind of boring just being in the castle all the time. So they go out and get stuck in a weird patch of, like, super aggressive seaweed with flower eyes. Super creepy. They yep. manage to escape and get back. And they're like, uh, I think she just tried to kill us by feeding us to some seaweed. Rude, to be honest. Um, but let's not let's not tell Grandma about this because we don't know who's in it. Because Hapes Collective politics are very complicated, uh, so they keep it a secret. Um, and then Grandma comes back to the castle to chill with them after she's been like going back and forth doing politicking and then coming to check on the kids and then. Uh, a bunch of assassins attack the castle and blow up the generator to shut down the shields and everything. And there is a daring escape from the castle. They lure the assassins into the aforementioned patch of seaweed where they get trapped and killed. And then when they get back to the main castle, they find, oh, your attendant has decided you're dead and is taking charge. And grandma's like how would you know we were supposed to be dead unless you were in on it? Boom. Checkmate. Got you. And then Tanelka and her friends go back to the Jedi Academy to do more Jedi Knight learning. And that's all well and good. But there's also another plot going around. Because remember the Shadow Academy? Uh, yeah. What's his face? Zax? Zek. Zek. 
Zek is still there. Um, he's the number one student of Braxis and is doing great being indoctrinated and is talking about how much power he's learning with the Force and everything. And Tamith Kai, the uh, Sister, also has a number one student and they decide there can only be one number one student. So uh, we're going to have the two of them fight to the death in a zero gravity battle arena, which is it's a really cool fight. And, of course, Zek emerges triumphant because there would be no emotional weight if this random other person kills him. And, yeah, now Zek is the number one badass at the Shadow Academy and has also murdered a person. And I believe that's all the major notes. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much everything. Uh, Quarrel questions the logic of... Um... Some mm-hmm. of having your two best having people. Two kids. Yeah. One Kill of them has other. to die. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's pretty much all the major plot points. Um, I think we're probably going to have a pretty short dark side on this one, but I think we might as well start there. Yeah. Um, I only have like one major dark side thing and it's, I'm trying to find... So, my major complaint is surrounding the uh, assassins who come to attack them on the palace. Uh, the Bartoks. They are described as humanoid insects that have sort of a hive mind. And um, they're, they're very scary and intimidating, which they're very, like, pursuant and relentless. And... But mostly... My issue is that they are still uh, sentient creatures that our heroes kill like a dozen of these people, and it's not really given much weight. But Zek kills this one kid, and that feels like it's supposed to have a lot more emotional weight to it. And it's kind of a weird dichotomy because these scenes are very close to each other in the book. Yeah. Well, and like... Jason kind of, like, makes a joke in the middle mm-hmm. of the scene, like, oh, I thought I killed this guy, but they don't have yeah. their brains in their heads. Oh, I've got to actually slice his body in half instead of just chopping off his head. That's so mm-hmm. inconvenient. And it it's kind of, like, is it because they're bugs? Is that yeah, the only reason? Of, it's kind of, like, because they're bugs, so their deaths don't really matter, which is weird. Whereas the guy Zek kills is Dathomirian, which is basically human in these books. So, yeah. That was the major part that just didn't sit well with me. Yo. It would have been... I feel like they could have made it better if they'd, like, made it so they weren't fully sentient. Like, the hive mind Mm -hmm. was enough to just understand an order and that was it and was very clear about that like no these are not they don't actually have intelligence they are just bugs that we figured out how to give a command to Mm -hmm. then i could understand a little bit more but it very much implies like no these are sentient beings with feelings they just have a very strict, like, we're going to kill you if we're asked to kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I think it still mentions them getting paid. 
Yeah, for they're it. very scary and relentless, and it's there's a lot of like good horror in those scenes and a lot of tension, but it's the fact that their lives are treated as lesser is kind of weird. Yep. And it'd be another thing, a lot, a number of them are killed by them going back into the creepy seaweed, mm-hmm. and then the seaweed eats the bugs instead of our protagonists. Right. And that's how they get the last of them to die. And if all of mm-hmm. them died that way, then that would also feel maybe a little bit different, because it's like, well, we didn't actually physically kill them, and they wouldn't have died if they weren't chasing us. Yeah, like they get into the patch of seaweed and the ones that are still there are still very much focused on trying to kill the kids and grandma than they are trying to fight off the seaweed that's actively eating them. So that would feel that feels more like uh, an ending of your own making situation than these kids with laser swords just hacked us up to pieces. Yeah. Uh, Maybe one minor thing, and this is kind of just with the series so far mm-hmm. um they really don't like raynor the he's the yeah rich kinda... <laughs> kid at the jedi academy and so far he hasn't done anything wrong he, he like wasn't even in the last two books no he was in the first but, book and he was in this one yeah but all he does is wear bright clothing and is a kind a of a suckle shit yeah but, like, the only thing he's done that's really annoyed them, other than wearing bright clothes, is, like, mm-hmm. try to suck up to Luke and be like, hey, maybe we shouldn't let children have snakes in their rooms that break out and then cause people to go unconscious. Maybe that's a bad idea in the first book. Yeah. But, like, it's kind of weird, and I know, because I've read later on, he he is kind of a jerk, mm-hmm. but so far he hasn't been much of one. I'm like, it's weird. It's like the first book set him up as like a good schoolyard bully level antagonist. And for the first book, that's great because that's like where the stakes are at. But then the stakes have gotten so much bigger that the book making an issue of Rainer still being here and still being kind of a rich snot is weird. Like we have uh, a evil second empire navy and academy full of evil force users to deal with why are we bothering with rainer oh he has bad fashion sense yeah yeah and it'd be one thing if like he had more like ideological connections to the shadow academy or something like Mm -hmm. if he was like oh they're bad because they're our enemy but we should be incorporating more of their tactics or if he was like, actually, all of our money will protect us, so I don't understand what the big deal is, or something. But he, all he does is like, he's like, oh, Luke, we'll fight for you. And Luke's like, no, fight for the Republic. Yeah. It's it's so weird, because he's only there for like two chapters in the beginning, and then we don't hear anything from him again the rest of the book. And... I mean, he's still a student at the Jedi Academy, so 
presumably he's not doing anything that bad that would get him kicked out. Yeah. Well, or I expected him to complain about the the protagonist get to build a lightsaber and he doesn't. Yeah, no, that would make a lot of sense. Because he's but... the same age, he's been there as long, but they went on mm-hmm. big adventures and thus they're ready and he's not because he's only been in the schooling and hasn't been put through the fire the same way. But he could mm-hmm. like be like, but I was trained under you, so it should be just as good. You know, that would be something. But he he disappears before, right before the, Luke goes to the four people that matter and is like, you guys get to build mm-hmm. lightsabers. Yeah, it's it's very weird. And also, like, a lot of the Academy seems to be independent study, so he might not even be aware they're building lightsabers yet. Yeah. And maybe some of this will... We're just being reminded that he exists so that, mm-hmm. like, in book five or six, he can come back and do more? Which I think is what happens. I don't remember super uh, specifically how that mm-hmm. goes down in these books. But... Right now, it just kind of feels like he's kind of there for very little reason. I know he matters more in the next arc of books. Um, okay. But I can't remember what he does in the next couple of books. Um, yeah. his, I, I mixed. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. His family matter. His backstory mm-hmm. matters in the next set of books. So I know that okay. he, he comes becomes a much more important character at that point um, and gets yeah. some more depth to his character as well. But that's good to hear. I'm excited for Rainer to have actual impact on the plot because right now he's kind of just there for flavor, I guess. Yeah. Um, let's see. Is there anything else? I don't think so. I think all the other stuff I'm either like that was the way it was and that's fine or I really like it. So mm-hmm. I think we're. Ready to move into the light side at this point. Yeah. Let's go to light side. Um, do we want to start with talking about Tenokar, or do we want to save that? Um, I think we can save... Uh, actually, no, let's talk about Tenokar. This book is very much focused on Tenokar, and I, I want to talk about her. I also want to talk about just the lightsabers in general, because they're really cool. Oh, yeah. They have super yeah. cool lightsabers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's start with Tenelka, because I think her deal with her lightsabers is also very cool. It makes more sense if we talk about her character arc a bit more first. Yep. Um, so it's interesting how she is in the first part of the book before she builds her lightsaber where she is like no i am what matters the lightsaber is just mm-hmm. a tool so i don't have to worry that much about it it feels a little uh overstated in a way that feels i feel like she's more that way in this book than she has been previously um but i mm. think it still works i just i think it maybe could have been written a little bit better in that like just have her... I think it would have worked better if she had just been so focused on herself and then, instead of intentionally putting off the lightsaber, just realized mm. she'd put it off and then rushed through it. I think would have been more in line with her character. That's... I mean, that's actually what I got from her chapter in the book. Um, I think her characterization in the beginning of the book is pretty much in line with the rest of the book. 
we normally don't get a lot of her internality, so that might be why it feels a little more heavy-handed, maybe. That could be, yeah. But, um, yeah, while the other kids are like, oh, we're going to build lightsabers, okay, let's immediately start working on l- lightsabers. Tanelka's like, okay, we're going to build lightsabers. I need to be at this benchmark of physical performance before I feel like it's even worth my time building a lightsaber. So while they're constructing, she spends a lot of time doing more physical training and kind of mirrors a workout that Luke is doing in the beginning of the book. Yeah. A bit. I do really like that part where she's like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be as good at physical stuff as Luke. You're a teenager. He's an adult. The, right might not be a comparable, but you're convinced that you can be as good as him. Mm-hmm. And that is really cool. Yeah. And then it gets to the point where she like acts, she asks Loie for help going to where she's going to get the crystal for her lightsaber. And Loie like offhandedly mentions that, yeah, I'm almost done with mine. And she's like, oh, I didn't realize all my friends were almost done with their lightsabers. I'm holding them up which leads her to use a crystal that's not as perfect as it should be. But she feels like, I don't need a perfect crystal. I just need a working crystal and this will be fine. Yeah. I will make up for the shortcomings of the lightsaber that I constructed. Yeah. I, I think I like most of it. Um, Mm-hmm. It's just, I think it's like very early on she says that she uh, res- resented the implication that so- she would somehow be judged on the basis of the weapon with which she would fight. Mm. And yeah. I'm like, I get that, but I feel like starting with that, if that had just come later where she hadn't really f- thought that through, but like that was under there, but not a conscious thought. I get it, but I think as a conscious thought, it feels odd because she does want to be a Jedi and she does want to use the force, just not mm-hmm. as a crutch. So it feels a little bit stronger, but it it's one of those things where I think it's still fully in line with her character. It's not like, oh, this couldn't be how she feels. I just feel like maybe it's a little bit more that way, but it results in such a good plot from there that... That's, like, a very minor thing. Yeah. Her fight with Jason is really cool. Yeah, it's a really good fight they have. They're bantering. They're kind of flirting a little. Well, and I love how, like, respected... Like, it feels they both have such strong respect for each other in that fight. Mm -hmm. That Jason shows by, like, being willing to banter with her during the fight. And she goes, oh, he is so confident in what he's doing that he can banter while he's fighting. And he's still giving me a workout, even mm-hmm. though he doesn't spend every waking moment focused on his physical ability. But you can tell, like, but like Jason starts it with wanting to fight, but he is a little put off by her viewing them as opponents in this moment. Because that's not how he thinks about sparring. But that is how she thinks about sparring. Right. And that makes him feel guilty later. Yeah. And it's also pretty clear in the fight that Jason is giving this, like, everything he has. Because he knows uh, it would be 
super insulting to her if I let up even just because I'm tired and we've been at this all day. I need to go full force to even stand against her because she's Tanel fucking Ka, you know? I'm sorry, yeah. Tanel Criffin Ka. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah, there's a, it, it's very clearly like mutual respect that drives them to fight each other to such extremes. Yeah. And then that comes back later when after um, she has lost her arm from this fight and has been feeling bad about herself um, and questioning whether this loss of ability, how that affects her idea of herself. Um, then they go swimming and he challenges her to a race and she's like, you better not hold back. If we are really racing, mm -hmm. yes, I want to race. If you are doing this to try and make me feel better, <laughs> no. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, I want to race you. I want to try. And she wins. But sees him af coming out behind her and he is worn out. He put his all into it. Mm -hmm. And that means the world to her and she starts crying because yeah. of how much that means to her and it just like that he understands that so well that that is what she wants at all times 100 mm -hmm. percent effort it's just really cool yeah. it is really cool the the relationship between jason and tanel is a lot better handled in this book than i thought it was in the last one yeah um yeah she spends a lot of time in the book uh, after the accident, um, both noticing how she now feels limited because she is missing her left arm. Uh, I think she mentions a couple of times how she can't braid her hair like she used to because she only has the one hand to work with and she can't, she'll be like reaching for something and then realize, no, I don't have that arm. I can't reach for it that way and she also um watches the others and notices how they're using both hands and they don't even think about the fact that they have both of those hands and i'm not going to have both of my hands anymore and it's she goes through like a lot of stages of grief in this book yeah and it's all so open and honest about it and like she mm -hmm. has thoughts that are not super healthy about it and then realizes that and like works towards a better understanding. Um, and it's just really cool and honest in a way that, you know, would be so easy in a book aimed at this demographic to try and simplify and make her, you know, either just feel bad about it or just like completely like understand so quickly a better understanding of what this means and not struggle through it. Yeah. I, I think her struggle with it is really good. Um, I really like the scene where uh, the doctors are very pushy about her getting a prosthetic. They keep saying like, you want this, you want this prosthetic. And inside she's like, I, I don't really want it. I, it feels wrong for me to have a prosthetic arm and, eventually she's like no i don't want it and they it points out how like the doctor is not used to people talking back to them 
Like they just expected her to go along with whatever they decided. And she's like, no, this is my body. I don't want this. Leave me alone. Yeah. And I think I really appreciate how it then has her at first be like, I don't understand. And then she's like, well, actually, Luke has a prosthetic hand and that's good for him. He made the choice for him because it could be easy to like, especially because this is Star Wars and there's the whole Darth Vader is more machine than man. Mm -hmm. Just turn it into a prosthetics are bad even just in her view, and having her go, it feels wrong for me, but that doesn't make it wrong in general, I think is also really good. Yeah, she thinks about Luke and his uh, prosthetic hand, and I believe she also thinks about Coral and his robot droid arm, too. I think so, because they, they give her that option as <laughs> well, and say, obviously you don't want that, but a Mm -hmm. One more like Luke's hand is much better. And then they try to put a robot arm in just to get her starting to get like used a to a temporary one yeah, yeah. before they hook her up with the high quality one. Mm -hmm. ah. But yeah. yeah, I I think it was pretty well done and pretty respectful. Um, if any listeners who have prosthetics and thoughts about it please let us know absolutely you'll have a better perspective on this than we do yeah i still have all my limbs thankfully because it's rough uh i have a friend who ha recently had to have their foot amputated and i know it was a rough process but it's doing well now so that's good yeah but yeah <laughs> not, not something i have experienced either mm -hmm. i think Honestly, reading this book at a young age did give me a better understanding of disability politics than I would have had otherwise, because that is not something I grew up with an understanding of. And oh, that's I, cool. I, because, you know, I wasn't around people that had it, and I do think that this is one of the things that really opened my eyes to people having different relationships to disabilities and different understandings of how that interacts with the rest of their life. Yeah. Because this is something that Tenelka will deal with throughout these books. And it's, it's not, it's kind of a spoiler. I don't think it matters. She does not ever get a prosthetic. Oh, cool. She, that is, she makes her choice and it, that is a consistent thing. And she goes on and does become a Jedi and has many adventures beyond this. And consistently, that is something that all of the authors kept up. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that future authors both respected her choice in this moment not to have the prosthetic. And also, I think they probably could have done a good arc where she decides that she reaches a point where she wants to have the prosthetic arm. I think both probably could have been handled well, but I'm glad to hear that they respect her choice to... You know, keep her yeah. missing arm. <laughs> um, yeah, I really liked how then towards later in the book with, when her friends are there and she starts like coming out of her depressed funk, she's becomes more aware of like, okay, I'm missing an arm, but I'm still Tanel frickin' Ka. I can, I'm still extremely capable and 
you know what? I don't have my arm for everything, but I do have the force. And it's not that bad to be using the force because I feel like she more accepts the force as a part of herself. Yeah. Towards the end of the book than in previous books where she's like, this force is some outside thing that I can tap into. And now she's like, the force is one of my many abilities. Yo. Ugh. I also, in registering that she can tap into the force more and have these different abilities than what she focused on before, that also, with some help from Jason's advice, makes her more mm-hmm. open to learning politics from her grandmother. And there's a scene where she, uh, there's a internal issue with the Hapes Consortium that uh, one of the alien races on one of their planet, from one of the planets, mm. has their base somewhere on the on Hapes, and is like, the other, this other race that we don't get along with, they started mining right by there and it ruined our lives, mm-hmm. and they just need to move somewhere else. There's lots of other ocean, and they chose to plant it right next to us, and she did the research and realized, yeah, because you knew that they'd already done a survey and saw that mm-hmm. that was the richest place to mine, and so you put your place there so that you they would put their mining operation there, and you could be like, oh, woe is us, make them move, so they couldn't make yeah. as much money. And Yeah, she points out, like, you assembled your you built your assembly very quickly in that location so yes you built it before they started mining but you knew you made this problem this is a problem of your making yeah move your 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 embassy can move just move it or deal with the noise if you really want it (laughs) i mean you can stay there you can move and that I just thought that was fun and showing mm-hmm. that she is expanding her understanding of what makes her strong and competent to include the force and something like politics that is a part of who she is, mm-hmm. but has been something she has avoided because she doesn't get along with her grandma because her grandma is terrible. <laughs> she her is grandma's pretty bad yeah her grandma is also this is the nicest her grandma ever is is in this book okay maybe in this series i don't know if she comes back in any of the other books mm-hmm. this is the nicest her grandma has ever or will ever be to anyone she is not a good person because she has been as involved in assassination attempts prior and after she is a politician's politician in a very uh, cutthroat environment. She is a politician derogatory. Yep, exactly. All right. Um, cool. Well, I feel like maybe that uh, brings us to her lightsaber. I love the lightsabers. Um, <laughs> do we want to start with Tenelkaz, or do we want to start with the others and then work to Tenelkaz? I think let's start with hers because I did. we did just talk about... Her synthesizing the different parts of her past. And I think that works really well. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, she has two lightsabers in the book. Uh, We all know that one of them ends up not working. Um, But then... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no. uh, So um, when she builds her first one, 
She talks about how her uh, Dathomirian grandmother gave her two Rancor tusks from her favorite Rancor. And she hollows one out. And for a crystal for the lightsaber, she um, goes into one of the volcanoes on Yavin 4 and, like, pulls out some volcanic crystal and uses that. Um, and then while assembling, she's like, uh, there's not as much room in he- this tusk as I thought there was going to be. I'm going to have to, like, cram things a little bit. And uh, this crystal, it- it's a little flawed, but it'll be fine. And um, her first lightsaber, the blade I- sounds really cool. It's described as, like, a smoky white-gray blade that sometimes has flecks of gold show up through it, which I think is the coolest color I've ever heard for a lightsaber. Yeah. But yeah, but but then it uh uh overheats and explodes while she's fighting. And I think the explosion is like a reason why she couldn't just get a back to trank treatment to get her arm reattached. Yeah. It's not super clear about why not. Mm-hmm. It might also be that her grandma came in and took her off. Because it doesn't really explain why she can't have her arm. And so it, it kind of leaves open that possibility that maybe it's because she got transported to Hapes. Which would be mm-hmm. really shitty of her grandmother. But not without outside of the realm of possibility. Because she does not let other people make decisions. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, don't, I don't really know. But I'm assuming it's because of the explosion. So do you want to talk about her second lightsaber? Yeah, her second lightsaber is made out of, conveniently, the other Rancor tusk that she has. Um, because she had two, so she could make two lightsabers. But it works. Yeah, I thought she was going to be dual-wielding <laughs> lightsabers when they mentioned that. <laughs> that would have been cool, too. But, uh, uh, but with that uh, one, instead of trying to just find any old uh, crystal, she uh, grabs a crystal from her tiara um, from the Hapes Consortium. Uh, the I think it's the most beautiful crystal on the tiara. Or she might use more than one, I can't remember for sure. Uh, I think she just uses one. Uh, yeah, she like pulls the tiara out and then smashes it. <laughs> yep. But she incorporates that as the crystal mm-hmm. in her lightsaber so that it is a synthesis of both of her backgrounds. Because now she is accepting that for the first time. And being like, no, I am a combination of these two societies. But I'm something new. I can make my own decisions, but these are both part of who I am. And so I want them to be part of my lightsaber. Yeah, and that's really nice and symbolic. Yeah. Yeah, so those are Tanel Ka's lightsabers. Um, but there's other lightsabers in this book. Uh, of, the, of the other three, which one was your favorite? Ooh. I think it might be Jaina's. Because yeah, Jaina's is really good. Because she makes her own crystal. Which I thought she, was really cool. Because she's like, 
so cool. I'm going to do more in building my lightsaber than the rest of them would dare attempt. And I'm like, mm-hmm. they're all putting them together. What are you building? You've got a power pack already. And then it's like, yeah, I've made a forge and I made a crystal. And I'm like, okay, that's really cool. That's really yeah. cool. She's like, no, I I know how to make a lab-created diamond, basically. And so I did it in my little lab. And I'm like, oh, that's so fun. She builds this melter and, like, very precisely measures out the components for the crystal she wants and then also guides it along with the force to make sure it forms properly. And it's amazing. It's so cool. Yeah, and then, and then her, uh, her blade is a bluish purple, or I think sometimes they just call it amethyst. So it's like a purple lightsaber, which is always cool. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. happen super often, but it it's always cool when it does. Um, and then uh, Jason uh, gets the housing stuff from his sister, and then uh, surprise that Kariska gem that Leia said, "Hey, hold on to this for something special." He puts that in his lightsaber. So he's got a he's got a Kariska gem lightsaber that's an emerald green, I think. Yup, I believe so. Yeah. Which I do think that's cool that they brought that back. Uh, yeah. And I I remember that fact, so like <laughs> I knew that he was never actually going to give it to Leia because he needed to use it <laughs> for his lightsaber because it's like this is now the most valuable piece of technology. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, all three of those, like, Tanelkaz is made with the crown from her Space Princess Tiara. Jason's is made with a Kariska gem. Jaina smiths her own crystal for it. And then uh, Loi salvages his crystal from some of the abandoned computers in the temple. Well, I really like it because... MTD is like, oh, you're not going to be able to find anything here. And even if there were something, you're not going to be able to smell it out, which is what he's saying he'll do. And then he does. And MTD's like, I could be wrong. Yeah, he's got like a computer processor crystal, which is really cool. Yo. What a nerd. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love I love that Loey is a nerd. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are our four main people's lightsabers, but there's another lightsaber in the book. There is. Because Zek gets a lightsaber from uh, Brachus, and he doesn't build his own like our kids do. He's given it, and Brachus tells him about how it's like already suited for a dark side force user or something like that. I forget the exact yeah, word. Uh, I think it's attuned to the dark side, I yeah. think is what he says. Which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. There's some uh, stuff from other books that explains why. I think it's from other books. It's from something else in the EU that I came across, I think, just on Wikipedia when I, uh, you know, was obsessed with Star Wars as a child. Um, yeah. That I really like that's uh, old canon. Because the new uh, Disney canon, I think, is that they, like, warp. Um, their uh, crystals and that's what causes them to like bleed. It's causing the force to bleed or something like that. Which I think might be just a little overly edgy. Um, but I it works. 
it's just not my favorite because the old canon reason why they were all red is that they're all synthetic um, in a way that is designed, like, um, is mass-produced and not... It's taking the easy route. It's mm-hmm. easy to make these gems. They work, but they, they're all going to be red because they're all the same thing, and it's trying to just get through it instead of having the very like spiritual and meditative process that the Jedi go through in building lightsabers. And I think that's a really cool like way of showing that the dark side is different, and this kind of implies mm-hmm. some of that even if it's not stated in this book. Yeah. I mean I because it it makes a very neat parallel between the two sides because you have Zach who is handed his lightsaber and he's at the Shadow Academy where uh all of his lessons and stuff are set by Brachus and he trains when and how Brachus tells him to whereas at the Jedi Academy our kids are explicitly given like more freedom to explore what they're passionate about and when they're told okay you need to make your lightsaber looks like these are the things you will need for the lightsaber yeah go do it however you're going to do it because it's going to be your lightsaber and that process of building a lightsaber is extremely important sort of ritual for them to go through and kind of reflect upon who they are as a person and how they want their lightsaber to reflect that yeah and you know what I just realized? Zek would have made a super cool lightsaber. Because he was a trash... Oh, yeah. It's like, the thing, the, the negative way of putting what he used to do is a trash collector. Mm-hmm. He was a scavenger. Yeah. If he, he had he built his found, own lightsabers, it would have been awesome. He would have found such cool stuff to make it with. Yeah. And he doesn't get to do that because his identity is being erased by being part of the Shadow Academy. Mm-hmm. Even while he's getting all this praise and adulation and this high, uh, like, station, they are slowly stripping him of his personal identity. Yeah. It's almost like individualism doesn't survive through fascism. Yeah. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) All right. Um... Did you have any other light side stuff you wanted to talk about? Let me think. Um, one that was kind of, we kind of mentioned, but I just did think was really cool was, as I think we keep saying in these books, the like aliens that show up are just really cool. The mm. the seaweed that has eyes in the flowers, yeah, that gets disturbed by them and then goes crazy because it wants to eat. Mm -hmm. And they just feel this hunger from it. And then the, the space bugs or the, the alien that comes with the issue is like, it's got two legs, but then it's just covered in tentacles above. And they only live, they live underwater and can only come up with a specific spray. And then they're only okay out of the ocean for like Mm -hmm. a few hours at a time. They're just this yeah, big they gotta black, stay moisturized. Yeah, and they're just this big black mass of tentacles are really cool. And it's not just like, oh, and that's scary. It's just like, oh, that's different. 
mm-hmm. then they just they have petty grievances with some <laughs> other group. And that it was just cool. Uh, yeah, the authors make good use of this being a Star Wars and all the wild aliens that there are in the Star Wars, and you can just make up your own at this point in the story. Yo. Um, I really liked when um they go to like the island palace fortress thing. Tanelka specifically chooses rooms for each of her friends suited oh. to what their personalities are. Yeah. It's so and, good. Like she gives Loi a room like near the top of the castle with a window that overlooks the cliffs and the ocean because she knows Loi likes being up high because uh Wookiees live near the tops of the trees on their home planet of Kashyyyk because it's very dangerous near the ground level. Yo. Um she gives uh Jaina a room that I think her grandfather had where he just collected all sorts of weird old junk. So there's all sorts of nicks and bobs and doodads on yeah. the walls and stuff. Yeah, I think it's technically her great grandfather, which I just thought was interesting because that means they kept it around that long. Because um, mm-hmm. presumably he's not been around for a while, but yeah, but yeah. And then uh, Jason's is like in an aquarium. And she's, like, so nervous about it because there's mm-hmm. not much... It's, it's, like, it's a dim room. There's not a whole lot of light. Maybe he won't like it. Maybe it won't be as impactful for him as I think it will be. Maybe he'll hate it. And he just, like, it's like, oh, this is perfect. And then, like, holds her hand. Yeah. Which is just super cute. And, of course, her room has a bunch of weapons on the wall. Well, of course. <laughs> it yeah. is ten whole freaking ka after all. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Which she uses one of them when they start fighting mm-hmm. the... She just grabs this ornamental spear off the wall. Yeah. And just starts using it to take down assassins because that's who she is. So like, wait, she doesn't have a lightsaber. What is she going to fight with? Oh, just a spear hanging on the wall? Checks out. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, what did you... This is, I think, a light side thing, but it's one of those I'm less certain of, but I wanted to talk about it. What do you think of all of the uh, male servants on Hapes? Yeah, that... I don't know. Uh, there wasn't, like, a lot of time spent on them. It, no. It kind of... Th- it, blah, 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 words. <laughs> it was kind of, like, more of a flavor, like, scene dressing kind of stuff Yo. than it was actually something that's interacted with because Hapes is a matriarchal culture so it's run by the women and her Tanel's grandmother kind of has these eye candy man servants carry her to meet her at the shuttle landing place yeah and like they're all Described as, like, scantily clad, and some of them are mm-hmm. only in loincloths. Yeah. And, like, I think it's interesting in a... We're flipping it, and thus kind of, in some ways, talking about the ways in which that is... The opposite is the norm in a lot of, like... Especially in, like, science fiction and fantasy-type things, where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, let's just describe all of these 
scantily clad women for you. Yeah, I don't... I'm not sure if it felt as much as a flip to me, because you will have scantily clad men acting as, like, palanquin bearers and stuff. Oh, yeah. In media. The the really only difference is usually there's also scantily clad women there, too, and this time it was just the men. Yo, that's fair. But I just, I thought it was interesting because they were bringing that home and that kind of thing of, like, hey, this is not just... There is something different about this culture. Um, and what does that say about... Uh, this culture, and what does it say about the more general culture that's kind of more of a reflection of our culture? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I feel like we really didn't talk about Zek's um, arc quite as much, but I, it's good. I just don't think there's a lot to say about it. Yeah. Um, pretty much... Zek only gets, like, a few chapters throughout the book, and most of his arc is pretty much, like, him being more entrenched in the Shadow Academy stuff. Yeah. He's, like, shown to be more resentful of his friends. Like, surprise, the brainwashing school is brainwashing him. Um, yeah. yeah. He does get a title at the end. Um, he become he is officially titled oh, yeah. the darkest knight. The darkest knight is he's declared that by uh, Palpatine's hologram shows up after he kills that guy. Yo, and oh, wouldn't you surprise? Wouldn't you know? The next book is called the Darkest Knight. So I wonder who's going to show back up. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, uh, one thing I did think was interesting, um, and I think might well. It could it would have been interesting had this book mm -hmm. been written later, because it becomes an interesting parallel after some information we get in the prequels. The because I was thinking about the guy who lost to Zek in his fight, uh, Varys, yeah. I think is his name. That sounds right. Yeah, or Vilas. It's an L Vilas, in the middle. Yes. Um, he actually has. Some interesting parallels in his backstory with Darth Vader. Because he starts out as a slave. Because he was a man on Dathomir. And all the Dathomirian men are slaves. And he gets hmm. taken taken into the dark side through brainwashing and trained up as this up-and-coming dark Jedi. Mm -hmm. And I think if we had known that that was, you know, that Anakin started as a slave before he mm. became Darth Vader, then that would have been a really interesting parallel going on. Yeah, that's a good point. Because Zek beats this guy that is more similar in some ways to Darth Vader as a kid. Mm -hmm. And I think there could have been something there, but that's not a thing that existed in the story at this point. No one knew that. So there isn't anything going on there, but it just, I was like... Huh, you you could do something really interesting with that if we had had that knowledge at this point. Because then there would have been a chance that he could have won if he was more yeah. symbolically like Darth Vader. He mm. would have been the kid, he would have been someone who had killed their friend and he would have had some connections to Darth Vader and it would have made that fight 
potentially more interesting because you probably would have developed him more if you saw that parallel. But I think it yeah. still works. It's still really good. It was just one of those things where I'm like, huh. Interesting yeah, to look back interesting. on. Um, trying to think. Anything else here? Oh, I did, I did find it interesting how Brachus was using the Force to, like, shape solar flares. Oh, yeah. They're, uh, like, station... Because they're, uh, the Academy's cloaking thing is busted thanks to the space mirrors in yep. the last book. So they're kind of hiding in between two stars going supernova around each other or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I don't remember exactly. I don't remember the exact. But then he's, <laughs> like, manipulating the, mm-hmm. like, solar energy that's coming off of one of the stars. Yeah. And talks about how, like, 5,000 years ago, this was caused by an ancient Sith to try and right. destroy yeah. destroyed a fleet by causing these stars to go nova. Mm-hmm. And they're still going nova now. And that's the power of the dark side. And then Zek's like, oh, can I try? And he's like, meh, maybe later. Cool your jets, kid. <laughs> and it also makes me wonder, like, is there some trick to it? Is he actually just manipulating him by suggesting he can do more with the Force than he actually can? Mm-hmm. Or is that something he can actually do? And he's like, you're not ready yet. But because mm-hmm. we know he's also brainwashing this kid, I go, hmm, did you have a trick to that? Yeah, you kind of have to second-guess everything that Brachus says. Um. Yeah, I think the, the supernovas are... Um, from one of the images in his office, I think it calls out. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And of course, we hear again about how uh, pretty Brackus is. Oh, yeah, he's such a pretty generic white guy. Yep. Statuesque, yeah. I believe they describe him as. <laughs> Which, but again, it, it is interesting how the only times we've really had that is from the perspective of other male characters. Mm-hmm. talking about how handsome he is. And I'm like, yeah. I know this isn't on purpose, but it just makes all your characters seem really gay. <laughs> it truly does. But I wonder if it's like, because it keeps happening, I wonder if they're trying to make it not seem like it's, oh, just a statement of fact instead of characters being specifically interested because, mm-hmm. like, a lot of the Tenelka attractiveness was from Jaina's perspective and stuff like that. But I wonder if they're trying to make it seem less like, oh, there's in specific interest here and more of a general by removing it from what they consider to be people who might be attracted to this person. Mm. And I don't know. It could just be a coincidence, but it just it keeps happening and I wonder if there's a reason. Yeah. Or they're just trying to make all their characters gay. I don't know. I don't... <laughs> it's possible. Could be both. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Um, is there anything else? I feel like... I feel like, like we pro- talked about most yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure we could talk about this book for much longer. There's a lot here. But I don't think there's anything else that we need to talk about. Oh, ex- okay. One little thing. And this is just something sure. I love about Hapes. And it's very minor, but I have to mention it. The fact that they call their giant ships 
Hapes Battle Dragons is great. Oh, that's such a sick name, yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> and I just love that every time it comes up. A Hapes Battle Dragon. I'm like, yes, that is what you should call your epic yeah. spaceship. Those, I can believe that a battle dragon can go toe-to-toe with a Star Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Like, you got your naming down. But, yeah. Okay, I think that's everything that I've got. You've got it. Do you have anything else? No, that's everything for me. Okay, I think we just have mm-hmm. to decide how we want to bury this book. <sighs> that's a tough one. Uh, I forget. Get what I said for uh, Shadow Academy. Because I know Shadow Academy was the one I buried least deep. Um, I can't remember. I, I kind of. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, no, I, I kind of want to just stick this book back on the shelf. I don't. I can't think of any reason to bury it. It's really good. <laughs> yep. Well, because what I did with Shadow Academy, because I liked Mm -hmm. it, I gave it a Jedi funeral. But I did mention that I was leaving out uh, the option of becoming a Force ghost, basically. Yeah, that sounds good to me. I think that's kind of the top level of, like, this book gets to live on in some way. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think I have to agree. Like, there's just really nothing really wrong with this book. It it just it holds up super well it has enough like nuance to it and there's not really weird like there's not really anything wrong with it at all i mean i know we had some like minor critiques of it but nothing mm-hmm. it's like oh this is a real problem yeah it doesn't really have any issues that like aren't also issues in most of star wars yeah so yeah i i'll let this book become one with the force so that it can live on through future stories yeah i would love if uh in some way they could have a tenelka in modern Mm. star wars i don't think it's ever going to happen but if they did that would be a character i would love if they brought back in some form or other so now we just got to sign off. Where can people find you online if they wish to? Uh, I do have a Twitter at formerly Kirby, um, but I don't really, I'm trying not to be on Twitter very much uh, recently. So, um, but I don't, I'm just not, I'm trying not to use social media very much. I'm been pretty busy. Uh, I have a small child and such. So, mm-hmm. Kind of, not a whole lot of time for that, but uh, that's probably the best place to find me. Um, if you message me there, I'll, I'm sure I'll see it, uh, but I'm not going to be posting too much. Yeah, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at MagicalGirlKira. Uh, Kira is K-Y-R-A. I do not have a small child and am chronically online, so... May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you. Star Wars E-Hoology is hosted by Alice and Spencer. The Expanded Universe, also known as Legends, is an intractable quagmire of credits, but we are pretty sure that all copyrights are reserved by Lucasfilms, which itself is owned by Disney. 
Our intro music is from Desperation by Scott Buckley. Our outro music is from Remember the Heroes by Jason Shaw. Both are used under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License. Please see our show notes for more details. Welcome. This is Star Wars EU Liddy. Yeah, let's try that again. <laughs>